You're listening to Left of the Dial. I'm your host, Kitsy. Andrea is off this week, unfortunately, but we have a very special guest. Uh, Our guest today, they have a self-titled debut album coming out July 22nd on Smart Punk Records. Please welcome Norell and Matthew from Stud Count. Hello. Hi, it's so good to have you here. Thank you so much for having us. So, uh, for those, uh, for our listeners who may not be familiar with your band, do you want to give us a little quick history of the band, how, how it all came about, like what the story is? Sure. Um, so before quarantine started, we kind of formed the band. We had a friend in West Philly who had a practice space and wanted to play bass, uh, and it all just kind of came together. We met um, our drummer at a hangout spot um, after a show. It was a friend of a friend, and it all just kind of came together. Uh, we were all living in Philly at the time. Uh, and then one of our, our guitarists, Max, he moved from California uh, and was new in Philly. And then he jumped on Leeds, which was great. And we all just kind of, yeah, we just started practicing and got to play our first show before quarantine hit. It was really good. Um, we got to play with some really great bands. And yeah. Yeah. The stuck out is like, you know, we've all been playing in bands for most of our lives. Uh, and you know, there's loose talk, especially when you're in a bigger city of, mm-hmm. yeah. After we hang out for a night or two, it's like, Oh, you play this instrument. I play that. Yeah. We'll, we'll do something together at some point. And it's never true. Right. Not actually right. Stud count yeah. is the story of it coming true. Stud <laughs> count is like enough awful things happened with everything else that we were doing in life, respectively in our own lanes and aisles that we were just like, well, you got nothing better to do. We might as well do a band. Yeah. <laughs> we, just, we said it in that voice. And it's really important to exactly, know. Exactly. Yeah. That's the, that's, that's what made it successful, right? Is the saying it in that voice. Cause that's what most bands miss. I think. Impersonating like a South Jersey person. <laughs> uh, it was very important to us. Uh, and so here we are. Uh, we survived quarantine, survived the things. And now that's, now we are stud counts. I'm I'm curious about the name. Where did that come from? Matthew came up with it. Yeah. Um, now I don't know much about you, sans your name and the fact that you do this show. So, I'll, that's about all there is to me. That's can't be right, but I'll take your word for it. <laughs> uh, so when I was coming up and getting into punk in the early 2000s, there was this. This sounds made up now, but it's true. There was a. Uh, a cred check that was pretty common where I don't know if you're familiar with punks wearing spiky jackets, but Oh yeah. Punks wear spiky jackets, but they don't, they aren't sold that way. They are, they are made as such by time dedication and, um, yeah, a a hyper fixation on one's appearance. And so the, in the early two thousands, when I was a mere, a mere boy, uh, the, there was a cred check that suited my intellectual maturity, uh, which was checking one's stud count to see if they were legit or not. Yeah. And so oh, okay. if you, I'm not, this sounds completely made up, but we were so sure in the sort of street punk and punk world, especially near New York where I grew up, uh, that your legitimacy as a punk rocker was based on how cool that you looked in your studded jacket and with your mohawk and what have you. It was very performance-based. Here's the thing. No, it was cool and punk and <laughs> sick. And the and, and uh, really, the best part about it was it really well displayed the idea of anarchy, which we all talked about really proudly. 
Yes. So the you know just really ordering just really steps. ordering them steps and those yeah. stuff, right? So that the name is sort of uh you know I've been playing a punk and hardcore band since I was twelve and thirteen years old, mm-hmm. uh, and this is the poppiest thing I've ever written in my life, and that's sort of the joke is that it's you know like we're we're all guys and gals from punk bands, uh, and this is the like this is basically a power pop band, you know like. So cred check us. Uh, we're playing pop music now. Yeah, it's very funny. Yeah, it's a joke. I'm very funny. Yes. Cool. Um, I see. Yes. Now, I, I have to point out, you are both wearing leather jackets uh, at the moment. Um, I don't see many studs, though. Well, I guess you'll just have to count them. <laughs> Zero. I see, I see none. No, is, I actually uh, do have, if I'm honest, I do have a jacket that I put together in high school with like an exploited patch and some, I'm not going to talk about the other bands on it. Um, with some really interesting, uh, I think there's an addict something or another. Yeah. Like, I've always, I that. still like the addicts. Me too. I like anyway, all stuff, but so. yeah, no, we definitely both had our share of embarrassing street punk attire. That's the, that's, that's the gag, but the leather jacket's more sleek. It is more sleek. Also it's pleather because we're vegan. Because we're ah, okay. because we're vegan, which is I, I want to say it one more time, just in case you didn't hear us. We are vegan. <laughs> we do not consume animal products. <laughs> it's true. We are. We are. I. I am. I am. I have been straight edge since the mid two thousands, and as a result, got bullied into veganism in the last decade of my life. And here we are in our pleather jackets. No He's studs. cutting out oxygen next. Yeah, f- oxygen is definitely the fourth X. Yeah, that's the next. Okay. And then once once you achieve cutting out oxygen, what's what's the next step after that? Sunlight. Sunlight. Well, first of all, like every other vegan straight edge person, I am also a spooky, spooky vampire, so I'm already allergic to sunlight. Okay. <laughs> I will point out though there is oxygen in water, so I feel like to cut out oxygen, you do kind of have to stop. Yeah, you're right. Consuming water. Sorry. Yeah, these straight edge rules are getting out of hand. Yeah. I'm they really are. I'm gonna see what he's got to say about it. My guess yeah. is very little. But sounds like a hard time. But anyway, <laughs> sounds like a hard times. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There we go. Well, I'm I'm glad uh, I'm glad to hear uh, there's a fun story behind the name because I knew there had to be. And it's that's that's a delightful story. I love that. Now I'm, I'm curious, what, um, how many studs, like like what's what's the threshold? Like how many studs do you need to be legit? Let me tell you, I have no idea. It's been 17 years since I've checked anyone's cred and such. So okay. who knows? I would say at least 35 thousand. <laughs> thousand. That's more than you could probably fit on one. So. I'm I'm imagining it's probably less of a, an actual number and more like a ratio of like how much could you fit on this jacket and how much did you? Yeah, like, right? Good point. So there was this really weird sort of thing that happened. There was a pipeline, if you will. Okay. You know, sort of like if you were a scene kid for some reason at some point, which is embarrassing and you should never announce to the public. The then the I know I tease like kid. I know that's ninety five percent of people who like music now. Uh, yeah. Just that's that's most of us. He's an I kid. Uh, there's a pipeline from that to playing indie music. That's almost direct. So mm-hmm. there's also a pipeline from that that goes to playing deathcore and then metalcore for some reason. For street punk, there was a pipeline that went something like this. We were like all the way studded out entirely, and you went one of two directions into like 
we're being really into like Scandinavian D beat. And then like, <laughs> and then also then from there into metal, or you decided that the Rolling Stones was the coolest thing that ever happened on earth, which is fair. It kind of is. And you went in that direction. And then there's this intermediate one. And for some reason, all three of those secondary evolution Pokemon met up <laughs> for a third one, which is guy in a leather or denim jacket with a nice haircut who plays in, who listens to things ranging from bridge nine hardcore to rare Norwegian black metal. Uh, and power pop in 77. And they so. might be a tattoo artist now or a barber. Or a barber yeah. or a server or a barista. Yeah. Or, or all of the above. Or all of the or above. All of them. That's uh yeah. that's so to answer your question, a few stops ago, roughly 12 years ago, fully covered in the studs, but with just enough room for like an anti-Cymex or aesthetic logo <laughs> is the right amount. Okay. <laughs> and then suddenly zero. <laughs> And then suddenly zero and like a like a more obscure seventy seven pin, say like uh, pointed sticks or Something the like shivers. Yeah. yeah. So there's the answer. Yeah. The long. No, that's the right answer. <laughs> tell you that much. I appreciate the I appreciate the right answer. Now I I don't want to get too hung up on this, but I am. So, uh, yeah. When you oh. go from from full studs to zero. Does that do you get a new jacket or do yep. you meticulously remove the studs from the old jacket? jacket? No, you gotta get a new one. That's it, it it will hurt your fingers. Also won't look off. right anymore. It'll look yeah. like it'll polka dots. Little polka dots. That could be kinda cool. Thank you for that. I like seashells, seashell <laughs> things. <laughs> I miss that. Oh, don't don't start with that. <laughs> <laughs> Who's to say I won't? I have already drinking out of cup. I think <laughs> you already have, yeah. Not my chance, so, my bro. <laughs> On that note, uh, why don't we listen to one of the songs off of your record? Uh, why don't we take a listen to Through My Window?
So, tell me about the song. Well, we wrote it in our living room. And <laughs> um, I wrote it about how Matthew and I are married. And how in every other romantic relationship I had had prior, um, I had never really found the person that I could spend my life with um, and let them into the um, holy of holies, if you will, of my person. Um, okay. Let them into the very intimate parts of me um as as you do in romance uh and so that the song is about like no one else could go there but you could and and it's it's a celebration of marriage um really so that's what we wrote it about it's true i was there uh and, and if you watch the video you'll see that we're very much in love yeah which I'll, is very love is very punk rock and sick and also dope <laughs> And based and epic and also has swag. It's and also true. Has swag. Yeah. So I think I think that's all the words. I think you used them all. That's all I can think of. There are no more words in English <laughs> language. Yeah, you've exhausted all of them. Don't try. That's it. Podcast over. All the words have been used. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> told me you Not, were so lucky. <laughs> no, that's 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 really cool. Um, I I love that theme. Um, because I think it really does. You really do. I mean, I guess you don't need to, but like it, it, there is something about finding that special person that you're like, okay, yeah, I, I am comfortable letting you into like all of the, the, the parts of me that like no one else has seen before. Like that's a really special thing yeah. and it's hard to find. And it's cool that you, that y'all found that with each other. I am the world's luckiest fella. God is good. God is good <laughs> all the time. <laughs> So uh, you have this album coming out uh, July 22nd on Smart Punk Records. It's self-titled. How did, uh, how did that come about? How did you get hooked up with Smart Punk? So we were a band for like two and a half months before quarantine. And then... So you started at just the right time. Oh, honestly? <laughs> yeah, we did. It was very, very cool the way that the timing worked out. But that's a story for either later or another time. Um, or now. Or right now. <laughs> The Funk Soul Brother. Uh, we the uh, basically we started uh, in the fall of 2019, and I wrote the demo originally intending to sing on it, and I am so glad that I did not. Um, and basically, uh, we did uh, like a demo, like we recorded like a, like a like a very West Philly punk demo in the basement of our then bass player's house, uh, in, in with like a mic or two and like tracked it and made it, it was all fuzzy, you know, like, uh, and you know, we released it digitally and we got a lot of sort of like past band connections. We got to a really cool radio show in Philly. We did like a first big show. We did everything wrong that you're not supposed to do for that show. We got like a band, we like way bigger than us to headline, our demo release, and then two bands that were also bigger than us to open for us for this. Yeah. And oh, no. one was Game. And it, we packed out this South Philly bar venue. It was sick. And oh, what venue? It was it's called Connie's Rick Rack. Oh, I know Connie's Rick Rack. Do you live in the greater Philadelphia area? Yeah, I'm in Mount Airy. Oh, okay. Connie's okay. Rick Rack. We packed <laughs> yeah. out Connie's Rick Rack. And uh, we we had a great time. I mean, we, uh, we, we were, we played really tight, which was amazing for our first show. And we sold everything we had, which was two inch pins and 
demo cards. Because I was like, oh, I don't need to go spend money on physical tapes. <laughs> and uh, we made... Well, later we did and they sold out. Later, later, time went on and yeah. uh, by a, a series of events, uh, cool. another label, a label called Convulse from Denver, uh, which I, if you were listening to this and you haven't listened to the Convulse catalog, please get on that. Uh, they are the coolest, one of the coolest labels going right now. You know, they, uh, they signed my power violence band and... Uh, then in some conversation, they did physical tapes for this. And then also the promo tape I recorded with Norell in the mountains uh, in quarantine when we thought the whole world was going to be shut down for all of eternity. And so then uh, I'd written everything. I, we, I filled out a, an LP. I wrote everything. And we Norell and I polished it off. And I taught it to our drummer, which is how we do every record that we do. And then suddenly it was the summer of 2020 and we discussed the prospect of going and recording. And we did with a, a fellow named Zach Miller who plays in a band called Gel. If you like punk at all, you should, hardcore punk, you should listen to Gel. And we recorded it. Uh, and I waited till it was mastered and I shopped it on a whim to five labels. I was only going to do it to four. And then the guy who cuts my hair in Philadelphia... Uh, shout out Sunstroke. Listen to Sunstroke if you don't already. Uh, recommended maybe Smart Punk. And I was like, wow, I haven't heard about that in a while. I suppose we don't really sound like less than Jake, but why not chuck the dice? And so, and so, I, you did. And so I chucked the dice. And they responded about a month later and said, hey, this is really dope. Let's have some phone calls. So we did. And it was a good fit. That's awesome. It is awesome. <laughs> Sometimes you do just got to roll the dice, right? You got to chuck dice. Yeah. You hear that, kids? That's a tip. Chuck dice at people. No, don't. Gambling is bad. Things. No, no, don't, don't gamble, but throw <laughs> dice at people. Just bait. literally throw dice at people. Yahtzee at, is safe. So Yahtzee is based. Yes. Yeah. Chuck dice. We have, a lot, of, we have a lot of opinions in this band. I can tell. I love it. Cool. Well, why don't we, uh, why don't we jump into another track? Uh, how about Give Me Time? Sounds good to me.
Narelle and I have been married for coming on five years. And so there's been like a lot of bands and stuff we're doing. And, you know, part of the whole, like, it's never going to happen thing included talk of playing music together at one point. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I wrote, give me time before it was called that before we had all the same lyrics tentatively on an acoustic guitar with her, like probably five years ago. Like I think we might've just been engaged. She was visiting at the time. Uh, And that we just kind of buried that. And it's about family friendships and, you know, people are people, man. We're, we're, we're as a species prone to making mistakes. And the, uh, you know, it doesn't really matter whether it's right or wrong. It hurts when you lose friends or when you have to leave friendships or whatever it is. It always, there's always exit wounds. And so, you know, we wrote it about different friends that it ended up being relevant to later. You know, you, you go through life, you're going to shed social circles from time to time. And, you know, it's been a song that's like held its relevance the whole time. No bitterness, no unforgiveness. It's just, you know, people are people. And there's with every sort of friendship that you lose. I mean, there's, there's a mourning period. And that's sort of what the song's about. It's just sort of mourning that and uh, healing over time. Something that jumped out to me right away listening to this record was it sounds modern, but also timeless at the same time. And I feel like it's a really hard thing to achieve. Thank you. That's a huge compliment. That's a very huge compliment. Thank you. Thank you. Hey. You're welcome. Like, <laughs> Thank you. Like, like there, there are parts of this record where like, if you had told me like, oh yeah, this is some obscure band from the nineties that like never, you know, never made anywhere. So we don't know anything about them, but like we found this record or whatever. I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. But like there, but there are also parts of it where it sounds like it's, you know, it, like it was recorded last year. Like, and, and it's, I don't know. I, I think it's really cool. Like, how do you, like, how did you approach really forming the sound of the band and, like, what kind of influences brought you there? I, I will handle this because I'm to blame for the band happening to begin with. But then okay, fair. And then, but then my significantly more talented wife made it sound like what it sounds like, <laughs> uh, which is that I set out to do, like, a more aggressive 77 style punk band. That's what mm-hmm. I wanted to do. I was thinking, like, Exploding Hearts with a little more of an edge, and um, I was thinking about other bands from, like, my circles like this band spiritual cramp from the bay which i really recommend or like other stuff from deranged records you know and i was gonna sing on it like i said uh and so like the thing about doing a band like this is that if i was in control of the like the the cherries on top if you will the fixings that come with like vocal melodies and maybe even some of the leads it would all sound like you know i guess a modern band to compare it to that band Amel the sniffers from australia you know, like uh, it would all sound like just punchy Ramon stuff. Every shirt would be high contrast, black and white. You get the idea. But yeah. so I set out to write a basically a Buzzcocks ripoff record with more of an edge. And then once I had the bones down, Neural just came in with these gorgeous vocal hooks that were like cranberry Sundays, you know, like like girl pop from the nineties. And uh, I would say that. Um... We definitely, well, for me, I was inspired definitely by Sundays and the Cranberries, but also, like, No Doubt, like, early No Doubt. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying, like, we sound like No Doubt, but, I like, the inspiration definitely was from a lot of that. People even asked after we played So What, because I wore, like, a green and white, like, kind of, like, summery dress with, like, red lipstick, but, like, like I was, like, yelling. <laughs> and people are like, are you trying to be Gwen Stefani? And I was like, no, I, though I think she is my mom. 
She may have burst me. I don't know. I've met her mom. It's definitely not true, but I do. <laughs> I do understand why she. But musically, I feel like she's my mom a little bit. She's your musical mom. I think that's musical that's fair. Mom. Musical moms can't can't live with them. Can't live with them. <laughs> you know? uh, but yeah, so that's really how it came to be. Is that I I played down the sort of like bones of like a '77 kind of more aggressive band, and then the sort of even some of the leads like Max, our, our guitar player, uh, plays like has a very like Husker do wipers, um, you know, uh, PNW punk like sound yeah. to his leads that really changed everything to be honest. Like the, and so that's really what happened is I set out to do like a rudimentary 77 punk band. And then all the fixings made it sound a little more collectively together. Like yeah. it sounds now. I think that definitely nineties um, radio um, was what most of us grew up on. And I think that that just kind of came out. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. Which is fine because when we would hang out um, after band practices uh, on our friend's porch, like we would just be listening to like Third Stone Eye Temple Pilots, like Third Eye Blind, Pole, like yeah, just all these bands. So I think it just came out. We were just it's like, true. Just naturally. <laughs> so what's what's the in your mind? What's the ultimate like quintessential '90s radio song? Song or could it, did that one, be just one? One song to rule get one shot at this. Okay, so it has to have made the radio. Yes, I, I guess. I guess to qualify for '90s radio, yeah, it does have to have made the radio. Is. Okay, you go first, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna have a pick. Also. Can we do two? Because it's important. yeah, you, you can each do one. Okay, you can each do one. You go. <sighs> In this game that I completely made up the rules to on the spot. <laughs> I like it. Good. Gin Blossoms, Hey Jealousy. Yes. That's a really good one. That is a really good one. Thank you. I have many skills. I'm going to probably say Spiderwebs, No Doubt. Ooh, that's also a good one. It's also a good one. What's yours? <laughs> oh, no. I should have thought of this. I should have known this was coming. It's okay, take it. Yes, seconds. you should have, but here you are. <laughs> I, think, I think for me... Um, since I can't pick, um, Hey Jealousy, since you already did, I think that's cheating. Um, that would probably be a, a, a contender for my number one spot, but I think a- absent of that, I'd have to pick, um, Flagpole Sitta by Harvey, uh, Harvey Danger. Even though that came out like at the tail end of the nineties. Yeah, but I don't know. To me, that's just like, yeah, kind of screams nineties radio to me. Like it yeah. is, that's, that is a really good one too, by the way. I that's, thought that that yeah. song was by Green Day for the longest time. Yeah, I didn't have that problem. I never thought it was Green Day. To me, so it's like the same nice. sound. So it, like, it is. It makes a lot of sense. And it's, I thought it was Green Day. I get that for sure. I feel like like Harvey Danger. The thing about them is they were a very Seattle like P and W. Plus, I had never seen band. any like artwork with it, the song. I'd only ever oh, heard really? it, so I never saw like there was never anything. Like to no visuals to go with. Yeah, I, I heard it because it was on a bunch of like rock compilations in the late nineties, and my brother's a little older than me. Matthew's and cooler so, than everyone else. Well, listen. <laughs> I'm not cooler than I'm cooler than most people, but I'm not cooler than the Ralph. I'll say that. But the like the but yeah, the only reason I know about that song and its name is because of all the rock compilations that my brother would have. Uh, he's like older than me. He would like I got to see it on a CD cover, you know, right next to like the Rockefeller Skank by Fatboy Slim <laughs> and uh, song. Uh, Semi Charm Kind of Life by uh, Third Eye Blind. Third Eye Blind. 
That's the only reason I know. Yeah, thanks a lot by Third Eye Blind also. Thanks a lot. That'd probably be like... Oh, that's a good one. Dope, dope track. Yes, yes. That band... I don't know. I revisited them recently. They're way better than I remember. Like they're a like, the, like yeah, they're so good. <laughs> yeah, they me, are literally. They're so good. The, the self-titled Third Eye Blind record is oh. legitimately one of the best rock records ever. Written. Like grad, their song "Graduate." I could listen yes. to on repeat. They had no no reason to write I that many theory, hits on one record. I have a theory, and we came up with it that summer quarantine. Okay, I have a theory. I'm ready. That in California, they were putting something in the water. And that everybody there during the 90s was drinking this water. It was in their water supply. And that's how they wrote the riffs. There's because also, it, all this stuff came out of California in the 90s that was like... California. Exactly. That was mind-blowing. And you're just like, wow. How did you write this many perfect albums, Third Eye Blind? Like, what were you doing? She's got a good point. I do have a good point. I mean, honestly, that, yeah. that LP is just untouchable and self-titled. Yeah. I'll say this. There's I'm also, mad that I didn't write it. There's also rumors that Third Eye Blind is an industry plant band. Um, which... I think is sick. The, I mean, if they're that good at writing songs, then thank God the industry put them there, right? Like yes, that's the absolutely. Were industry plants a thing back then? Oh yeah, they were. Just, I guess they always have been, haven't they? Oh, yeah. they're, they're they're still a thing. They're actually more a thing now than ever. Like, you don't even yeah. keep it secret now. People would suspect you in some underground local scene that has organic growth. We have TikTok now. That's the <laughs> industry plants are easy, baby. Yeah. Wait, so is Doug Count an industry plant? No. Time will tell. <laughs> Time will tell. Okay. All right. Well, while we're waiting for the answer to that, uh, why don't we check out another one of your songs? Uh, let's do Big Fish. track it's very punchy 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 it's like bah, bah. It, that's just it's just very like punchy i don't know it's punchy 
That's the adjective I have. It, it is a punchy song. It's like it uh, it punches and it's and it's punchy. Uh, I agree. I will say that I wrote it like in one of like just shred the worst weeks of my life uh, period in on my couch in West Philly, and it was like. I mean, I wrote it about like doing everything you possibly can to do right by people, like no matter what they've done or how they treat you, and then still getting like the shift. Uh, and I mean, I was mourning the loss of like a ton of friendships at once. I had a falling out with a group of my of our friends, and it was totally not like reciprocated. It was crazy. Like I was minding my business, and suddenly this whole group of people had decided that they just did not want to be around us anymore and really there was no core reason there was just the wind blew and that was it um and obviously there's more that goes into that that would make it the worst week of my life one of them but the i was just sitting there having like really just an existential like like crisis uh and having a hard time you know like i, I don't Weirdly, I don't talk about it a lot in my personal life, but interview seems to be fair game for this tidbit of information. <laughs> but the, my, growing up, I was what most, like, would consider a basket case. You know, I, I uh, most, you know, I was in and out of corrective situations. I was, and I was, nothing worked, you know? Um, and that was, that was, things are very different now, obviously, but, you know, to have overcome all that stuff and to have, you know, uh, grown so immensely as a person only to get treated the same was like a real hit for me in the heart, you know, only to get treated the same as I was when I was a kid. Like I'd done everything wrong somehow was like a real moment for me where I just kind of learned once and for all that you can't really just can't trust people. And, and there was no jadedness there. There was just sadness. And so I wrote it. I wrote it before we even really finally started Set Count. It was a processing song. It was a processing song. So it's a song that's really dear to my heart. And, um, you know, being able to do it with Norel there and like a small group of new friends was both super vulnerable and really cathartic for the, for the time. Awesome. Well said. Thank you. I have no notes, no follow-up questions. <laughs> bang, bang. Um, I actually did want to dive... Um, a little bit more back into the sound uh, of the band. There, uh, there was a song, Maniacal Laughter. I know it's not on our list, but I did just want to give that like an honorable mention because um, when when we first got the record, Andrew and I were listening to it um, together and that song came on and I turned to Andrew and I think what I said was, this is what I want Turnstile to sound like. Oh, wow. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I can't tell. I, like, here's the thing: it's like assuming you're not completely off base. That's perhaps one of the nicest things that's ever been said. <laughs> you give us a lot of good compliments today. Hey. I mean, I'm just, I'm just telling you what I hear. So to so give some context, I never really got into Turnstile. Just, just not really my jam. We covered their latest record on the podcast, like when it came out. And I mean, there were there were a few songs I, I was kind of into, but like it just never really connected with me. And then I was like, eh, Turnstile sounded like this. I'd listen to Turnstile all the time because that's. If I'm mistaken. That song's a little, a little harder and faster than than the than most of the songs on the album, right? Oh uh, yeah, the newer stuff. Um, older Turnstile is harder. Yeah. Yes. Um, older, like I got into Turnstile when they were first kind of 
coming up, um, like probably not the year they were coming up, but like when I had heard their first couple releases, I was like, Oh, this is cool. Um, because it was more hardcore. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't know. And then the newer stuff is sick, but it's, um, it's more, there's more elements to it now that there weren't before. Yeah. Uh, much, it's more groovy, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it was always groovy, but it more of like, I don't know. They've got the, uh, what is it? The nineties, like club drums now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's like, Matthew loves it. Like it's great. Um, but yeah. I've always loved turnstile, but yeah, their older stuff is much heavier. Um, like oh, yeah. step to rhythm, um, before that, even pressure to succeed. This is definitely going to sound like Matthew's cooler than everybody TM and stuff here, but I did get into them the year that they started. And you are pretty cool. It's true. Um, but I wouldn't the, have married you if I didn't think so. That's true. I would have married you either way. Uh, but good to know. Um, but wait, wait, wait. The impor- important, important distinction. You would have married her whether or not you thought she was cool or whether or not she thought you were cool. I, that's the joke. Yeah. Thank you. For, <laughs> oh, thank see. you for clarifying that, that either way, if she thought I was cool or not. Uh, cause I think she's super cool. So the, <laughs> like, but the, and she is actually quantifiably by a guy who's very cool. She's much cooler. Um, so, but the, I got into them the year that they dropped because, you know, I'm from the Northeast and I heard, um, what's the demo, uh, pressure to succeed the EP. Um, at the time they were like the side band for this band called trapped under ice from mm-hmm. Baltimore. Which I thought was so sick. Like they did that mid-era New York hardcore sound better than anyone was doing at the time. And so I immediately listened to Turnstile when they started. I would say if you haven't yet to listen to the first couple Turnstile records. It might be what you It want. might be what you're looking for. Yeah. Uh, I yeah, it's probably very important to to point out that I've really only listened to that latest record of yeah, theirs. Yeah, no, you got to go back cuz the other so, stuff at back. least to me, like I like the new stuff but their early stuff and um, nonstop feeling. You saw that nonstop It's so good. I was uh, living in Baltimore when they came out with that. Nonstop feeling. Um, and it was so sick to be at their CD release. I still have a vinyl from that. It was like one of a hundred. Oh yeah. Um, and they like hand painted it. Um, I'm holding on to it because I'm hoping it'll be worth a lot of money one day. Um, yeah, you couldn't. But no, I was there and like just the vibe was so good like it was just so everyone they're a very just, fun band. they're very they're I, like fun I, hardcore i've seen them a lot of times in my life and yeah. like at a certain point i had i had to forfeit the idea of seeing them as a band on tour that was coming through because they almost immediately i put in that festival or like bigger tour circuit yeah like you probably, still classify them as a hardcore band because i don't yes. know I, okay yeah we're not going to call a band not hardcore just because they started to branch out a little bit especially because if you i appreciate that stuff, you hear you hear uh stuff from like that '90s alt rock sound that they really lean into on this yeah. last record, you hear it from day one. You hear like, what's that one song? I've been living the wrong way. Yeah, yeah, like the. You get some like 311. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of 311 in there, uh, uh, which is clearly. Great, but that's, that's the thing is, if you listen to other bands from that era, there was like like '90s hardcore from New York specifically. There was this weird uh, sprinkling of reggae back when Underdog was coming up. This is real hardcore nerd stuff here, but the. Uh, there was like, especially post Bad Brains world, like we, there was always like a relationship between dub and hardcore and hip hop and hardcore. I mean, the Beastie Boys were obviously a hardcore band first. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I think that Turnstile has always been a hardcore band. I think they will always be a hardcore band. I think it'll take a lot of leaning into the stuff that's not hardcore stuff. But as long as there's two hardcore songs on the record, even one, they're going to be a hardcore band. It's not like AFI where at a certain point you just couldn't call them a hardcore band anymore. Like, 
you know, like, like I love AFI, one of my favorite bands, uh, but you cannot call Sing the Sorrow a hardcore record, period. Like, you, you can't. You could totally call Black Sails in the Sunset and The Art of Drowning a hardcore record, though. So, that's all I'll say. About you just nerded out a little bit. But... Sorry. That's <laughs> what this podcast is for. <laughs> this podcast is, is by music nerds for music nerds. So, I'm glad, to be, glad to be here. You're in the right place. Hey, Leftos. It's Andrea. And me, Kitsy. From the past or the future or from right now, depending on when you're listening to this episode. We're here to tell you about all the very cool stuff you're missing out on if you're not keeping up with us at leftofthedial.fm. That's right. Head over there now to check out tons of album reviews and essays by our fantastic music writers, and you'll get to watch our incredible live sessions with bands like Teenage Bigfoot, Take Today, and Proper. And you can pick up those live sessions at leftofthedial.bandcamp.com so you can take them with you wherever you go. It's also a great way to support us and the musicians you love because we split all of our profits with the artists there right down the middle. You can also join our Patreon, where we'll have lots of behind-the-scenes footage, early access to live sessions, performances that you won't be able to find anywhere else, and lots of pictures of my perfect dog, Pacey. Oh, he's so good. Follow us on Twitter at Left of the Dial PC and Instagram at Left of the Dial FM to keep up with everything we're doing and to see even more pictures of my perfect dog, Pacey. Oh, and right now we're also looking for new music writers who want to get paid to write for us. So send our editor-in-chief an email with some writing samples and or pitches at jen at leftofthedial.fm. That's leftofthedial.fm. Celebrating independent music. Characters welcome. Never go to the post office again. Um, yeah, I will say I, I have never seen Turnstile live, but I did watch the um, the Hate 5-6 uh, film that, that Sonny did of, of that their release show. Yeah. And that looked like a blast. Yeah. Uh, although he makes every show he films look amazing. So, I mean, you know. Let, let me give one more compliment to Turnstile. Um, yeah. The the year that I knew that they were going to be something a little more special than maybe just a hardcore band that had a, a little bit behind them was the year that I went to, um, one of the years I went to United Blood, uh, which was a festival in Richmond for a while. Um, in the last three bands of that night were in order, sick of it all, Classic New York hardcore, Bane, Bane. If you know what Bane is, I'm so sorry to break it to you. You should know better. Uh, and then Turnstile. And here's the thing: is I was not expecting. Uh, I'm sorry, I did that backwards. So basically, the night went Turnstile, Bane, sick of it all. Turnstile had six to seven, maybe even eight. Like a lot of people were watching. It was a packed out room. At the, at the, I believe, the Canal Club. Um, and then Bane played to, like, maybe 120 people. Oof. And then Sick of It All played to maybe 75 or 80 people. Damn. And, and Lou, the vocalist of Sick of It All, was really vocal about how weird that was. And I guess it felt like a real turning point for me in hardcore because, like, up until that point, like the only measurement that a band would have legitimacy wise was seniority. Yeah. And so suddenly that didn't matter anymore. And not to say that I agree with that. I think that's poser nonsense. Like, mm -hmm. I think that sucks. Like you should like turnstile and sick of it all and Bane. You know what I mean? Like if you're going to yeah. mess like that, but like Tumblr and kids were there and they were out there in the hundreds and hundreds. And that's honestly how genres get bigger. You know, I don't think anybody expected metal to be the commercial success that it was, but it only took a few years for that to become like a way bigger than local college clubs. And the same with now hardcore, you know, like hardcore had a couple moments in the nineties where it thought it kind of looked like it was going to be that, but it's officially that now forever. 
Trent Style broke through that ceiling of seniority, and then it only took them a few years to break into the sort of like Tumblrite Journeys uh, crowd that Odd Future Trash Talk did got mm-hmm. into right off the bat. And then now they're literally on primetime TV. Yeah. Insane. And so I'll have to hand the turnstile, man, is like sticking to it. Most hardcore bands get big. They get really, and they say, ah, there's a ceiling on this. I'm going to do one LP and break up. Uh, and, but the turnstile didn't do it. They kept up with that. Yeah. And I think this last record is phenomenal. And they have also very um, strategically modified their sound. Yeah. Uh, and they're just like a really fun band. Like it doesn't matter what era you saw them in, yeah, or have not yet. Like it'll be fun. It's oh, always yeah. like I saw them at a free show in a DC one time, and we, me and my friends, got there late. We got to go in because the smokers came out, and they didn't know there was no reentry. <laughs> so we were like, "Woo!" We like get down the stairs. It's insanely packed. Like there's like kids there who are like, I don't know if they should be there. They're like 13 on like a school night and i'm like why are you here um but everyone's just like like stage diving like there wasn't i, I don't know if there was anyone in the room standing still like oh, yeah. everyone was moving um and that's just the kind of crowd they draw so you saying that compliment was really that really meant a lot that's cool you should listen to them they're definitely a better band than we are at this particular point but yeah thank you <laughs> i mean i'm i don't i don't like saying a band one band's better than another because i just don't think it i don't think of music that way like well that i don't know there's just there's there's just music that's extremely my shit and then there's music that's not and okay yeah Yeah, i get that you know i don't know that was that was kind of my impression like the the moment the the stud cat workers are playing i was like this is going to be extremely my shit and it has been the entire way through the record multiple listens so uh i i am a fan you you have gained a fan uh Andrea's a fan as well. She's not here, uh, but she would say the same. She's uh, we, We've both been really into this record, and we're so stoked. <laughs> I would also love to meet Andrea. Uh, Andrea is in Boston right now. Um, she works for Chris Gethard, the comedian. You know him? Um, she uh, produces yeah. the live um, Beautiful Anonymous podcast for him. Huh. Um, so she handles like the, the person that calls in and does the recording and like handles all the weird internet like routing that makes that happen that he can do it live on stage. Oh, cool. um, and he's got some shows uh, up in Boston this weekend. Um, and then it just did it just did not work out that she got there in time to record the podcast because driving from Philly to Boston is, you know, it's like an all day thing. So. so do you all live in Philadelphia? Yeah. Proper? Yeah. Cool. I'm a little surprised we haven't intersected before, but I I know. I'm I'm me too. Um but hey, here we are. Here we are now. Now we're uh, which <laughs> is actually a, a, a good segue into not podcast content, but um we do I don't know uh how much you know about us, but we do like audio tree style um live sessions out of our studio here in Mount Airy. And we would absolutely love to have you all come in and do one. That would be so awesome. When the time when the time is right and we we do an east. So a little bit about us as a band. Sure, yeah. We started in Philadelphia, but only one of us still lives in Philadelphia. Oh no. Yeah. So um, Max. Can you blame us? Yeah, Max and our it's the current... city of transplants, and then it disperses. It's the it's, it's the natural order. It is. But, you're you're right. Well, so Max and our our current bass player live in Orange County, California. And then oh, wow. you and I in August moved to East Tennessee. So we live like right up in the very corner of Tennessee. Close to Virginia. Um, and yeah, close to Bristol. And um, 
and then yeah brett still lives in philly uh and like we try to we want to be in philly i mean I, i'm gonna speak for both of us because i think you already agree with this but yeah. we want to be in in philly at least like three times a year honestly and we typically are just because not to cut you off yeah. but like our bands are still philly bands and i gotta go to yeah. the you go there to record, so we go there to record go there i mean i was i just did another seven inch for that power bounce band that you know, like this is sort of like our thing. Like we love all of our people that play in the bands, but this is sort of the luxury of this being our project to manage is I can live wherever I need to. And I will just home base really feels like Philly. So we're there a lot. Plus my know. parents live in PA. So it's another yeah, reason. She's, to she's from there. that area. <laughs> I mean, I growing up, like I'm, I grew up about a little less than an hour outside of Manhattan. Uh, okay. And like, but my family was in and out of Philadelphia for sometimes decades at a time. And then I so, lived right outside Philly for like four and a half, four and years. a half years, you know, like, and then we lived there for four years <laughs> from Allentown originally. So, yeah. Uh, and so anyway, when, the, when we were talking about doing a, a run in the fall, like just to, you know, we're the kind of band that it seems like we got this really kind of great support on our first tour and you know, it would just be a real shame to waste that, especially once the record's coming out. So we're going to keep the momentum going and do something in the fall. If that's not the West Coast, it will surely be the East Coast. So maybe while we're in town, we could do something with you guys. Yeah, definitely. Let's keep in touch and we'll work that out. Um, I'd love to do that. That sounds so fun. Plus, I'd love to hang out with you. Yeah, you seem cool as hell. <laughs> hey, you guys seem cool too. Thank you. Thanks. Looks can be deceiving. <laughs> well, with, with that jacket and mustache though, there's no way. Yeah, Come on. It's true. That's what I said. There you go. Have you ever heard of a band called Queen before? I heard them for the first time recently, and I just decided that was the way to go. That was your look. You just decided, yeah. And he said, that's my dad. Jokes, <laughs> jokes aside, I got into classic rock as like an actual child, like, mm-hmm. like five, six. And that That is to blame for having, you know, parents. Um, but I thought Queen was cool as hell. Is one of the first bands I dealt all the way into. So. I mean, Queen was cool as hell. They're, they are cool. Yes, clearly they are cool as hell. Yeah, yeah they, like they're R.I.P. Young. Do you know that they were one of the first bands in rock and roll to do interactive shows? Freddie Mercury started. Say more. So he, you know, he came up with the. So he would do that to get because he, yeah, he would he would do it and he would start it. And then the the crowd would just like eat it up. Like they were like, yeah, because of course you go to a show, and don't we all love when the vocalist is like, hey. they were like one of the first bands to start that um, and do an interactive thing, and I just thought that was so cool. Yeah, I did not know they were one of the first to do it, but that totally makes sense. Yeah. So anyway, sorry, anyway. we can move on now. <laughs> I don't know. No, now we're gonna talk about Queen for an hour. So, uh, <laughs> yes. Let's do it. I feel I feel like this is this might be bearing the lead a little bit, but um, so I I have this theory that if you ask anyone who the greatest rock vocalist of all time is, one of two things will happen. That one they'll either say Freddie Mercury and they'll be right, or two they'll say someone else and you'll go, "What about Freddie Mercury?" And they'll go, "Ah, oh, yeah, you're right." <laughs> yeah, would you agree? Straight up, one of the most like. Just one of the best vocalists of all time for rock and roll. Yeah, don't get around yeah. that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, top three, if not number one, in, across the board. Yeah. No, I, I, I have yet to have anyone argue that point. Uh, what I'm saying is, like like, what I, I, I don't mean that I think there are people that are better rock vocalists than him. What I mean to say is that I think he might be tied with a few others for number one. There okay. are some other ones that were extremely 
good from that. Yeah. And I'm 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 not I'm not and not even the ones you might be thinking, but I think Mick Jagger is up there. Eh. But not here's the thing. The, he's missing something that Freddie Mercury has, which is a crazy set of pipes. Like, yeah. <laughs> so like as far as stage performance and presence concerned, Mick Jagger is one of the coolest stage oh. performances. Oh yeah, yeah, no, no question there. But if you look at all the stats, Tony Hawk's pro skater style, yeah, there's <laughs> there's no real there's no real getting around Freddie Mercury yeah. for sure. Yeah. I agree. Now I kind of want Tony Hawk pro skater stats for all like famous musicians. There you go. Can I tell you something? If they included any sort of moral spectrum, you'd be disappointed very fast. Oh, no, I'm sure. <laughs> Not surprised, but disappointed. <laughs> Not surprised, no. Disappointed, probably. You're right. But we have completely lost the plot here. Uh, we have we're a in few the plot, more. My friends, this is <laughs> why we're here. <laughs> That's good. Some, sometimes this podcast goes completely off the rails and I'm left unsupervised and that's just what happens. So I like it. I, I like the route we took. This was good. Hopefully yeah, I'm not mad the, about it. Board of train track feels the same. We do have two more of your songs to talk about. So I do real quick want to uh, talk about Willow. song at three o'clock in the morning not the, music, the best time but the lyrics i just woke up and was inspired um and it was inspired by my grandparents farm actually when i was a kid i would swing on the branches of the willow tree that they had well they had several and like they had a huge plot of land and i remember like feeling so powerful when i could swing from those branches and like yell because you're a kid you're unbridled you're just yeah you're just having a good time uh, but then sometimes you'd fall and you'd get really hurt <laughs> you'd get bruised you might get cut um falling on rocks and stuff uh and so that's what it was about was just the metaphor i'm a very metaphor person um it has a lot to do with a lot in my life uh and so i had this metaphor of like that's how i felt when i've trusted somebody with the weight of friendship or you know, just like the weight of trust. And, and, you know, I mean, everybody has faith. You have faith to sit down on a chair and that it won't break underneath you. Mm -hmm. Put faith in that chair. And like, you know, like most people, we put faith in a relationship or a friendship 
And then if somebody lets you down and doesn't carry their weight, um, you much, you, you end up feeling much like I did as a kid falling from the branches and getting hurt and crying. Cause I was just trying to have fun, <laughs> but instead I ended up with bruises on my knees and I don't know, on my elbows probably and crying. So. Various joints. And locations. So basically yeah. it up, it's about, um, failed relationships and how they make you feel. So that's Willow. I wrote some super corny melody lines that would have been f- fitting for a band like uh, maybe The Jam. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, which is cool. Like, I like that stuff. But I'm really glad yeah. with like her vocal melodies and then Max's like noodly, very Husker Du leads. I I'm very happy about how that song turned out. That was one of the first songs that I heard out of practice, and I was like, Yeah, I think, there, I think there's that's, a high hope. For I this think that's band. the only like, song that. Um, I mean, we kind of wrote Push there, but we kind of wrote it out of studio too. Um, but yeah, that's the one of the songs that I came to practice a little bit shy to share it with everyone because Matthew had a song and then I was like, I have these lyrics and everyone's like, okay, let's hear them. So I just tried it. Like I just kind of like hummed a melody line and then I was like, okay, we got it. Like yep. that's just kind of how my brain works. If I like come up with a melody line and I like it and it always cut, like ends up sounding very 90s. It's just like, I can't write. I mean, I can write other things, but I prefer not to. Usually when it does the punchy stuff, that's me. Like on the record okay. where it's like... No, no, I've helped with some of that. Oh, for sure. I've got some punch. Don't you got me. some punches. <laughs> you got some punch, for sure. Sometimes sometimes you gotta. But like, you know, for example, like a Big Fish or uh, Maniacal Laughter, you're, you're hearing like my time playing in hardcore punk bands showing through. And then like everything that's like really stand out, like sounds sick, that's neural every single time. I think um, as as we were talking through that, I I think I kind of cracked, for me at least, the the code of what makes your music sound so timeless to me, um, and it makes so much sense now that, I'm, that now that like I've put all these pieces together just from hearing you talk, and so it's like you've got that like seventies punk like grit and aggression and and kind of rawness, but then you also have that like you know eighties nineties like Husker Du like you know, guitar melody stuff going on. And then, you know, the vocals are very nineties. And so it just has this like timeless blend of, of influences and genres that all kind of cohesively form this one thing that just works so well together. Yes. And that's, that's, that's what's doing that for me. That's that now I, now I understand why as I'm listening to it, I'm like, I can't place when this is supposed to be. And that's why you've cracked the code. Cracked the I've code. cracked the code. I have figured out your formula. <laughs> I will now make my own stud count. Congratulations. Have fun. <laughs> have too much fun. But I have to warn you, it's not like the Powerpuff Girls. It's not like you have Sugar Spice and everything else. Sadly. It's more like you have 77. <laughs> you, got, you got some, like, more organic sugar, right? Maybe some stevia. <laughs> some spice. You got some, like, ghost pepper. And then you got, like, compliments and some walks in the park. Everything nice. It sounds like a nice drink. It sounds like a great drink. It sounds like something I would get, like, at, like, a very pretentious. I like it. Place like that coffee shop, right? But it's this is a tea. I yeah, tea. yeah. I'm a, I mean? I'm a tea. And and the guy who made it for you is definitely wearing suspenders. Oh yeah, yeah. Hundred percent. Or a Henley. Or both. Or both. 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 It's definitely both. We understand each other. I don't know if you know yeah. this, but there's this guy who walks around West Philly, and our pastor when we were living there was like, we were out to coffee with him, and he was like. Oh, there goes normal guy. I've known him for like 20 years. And it's just this guy it's like crusty who walks around guy. West Philly near um, Clark Park. And he just has like a pair of like rustic looking like. Conductor style overalls. Yeah. And they're either, they're always earth tone. 
And okay. every time we see him, I'm like, there goes normal guy. And I don't know why, but everyone calls him that. He knows <laughs> him because when he was first getting into pastoral ministry, he spent a lot of time with, like, anarcho-travelers for some reason. And they, they, he hangs out at this, these two specific coffee shops. Yes. So anyway. Anyway. Sorry. That's so the, so but why cool. is he normal guy? I don't know. I, he told us. Oh, I, he? I remember okay. this. I forgot. He was normal guy because, like, you know, you, you're punk-ish, it seems. And uh, you, you're probably familiar with what crusty travelers are like. And sure. Yeah. At least on, on paper, and the term "oogle" probably means something to you. That actually doesn't. Oogle is a way to say somebody who comes from wealth, but is crusty traveling by choice. Uh, ah, okay. I'm familiar with the concept, but not the word. Yeah. Uh, here's the thing: crusty traveling is nothing to be pretentious about. So anyway, the like normal guy was like just didn't have a drug addiction and didn't have any face tattoos and didn't have like alcoholism. And I think might've had a home to return to. And so they just called him normal guy. There he is. Anyway, he's, he's pretty normal. We should talk about the last song. <laughs> we should talk about the last song. That's how I get it. Sorry. That's how. And then in parentheses, I get it. songs i wrote i was really going for like mission of burma like it was the autumn of 2019 in west philly if you you probably know this but for the listeners gets so gray Mm -hmm. in like the first of november it starts everything just looks gray for like three or four months it's not just winter there's something specifically gray about that area of philadelphia and uh, I was dealing with all that stuff we talked about with Big Fish, and I was just so depressed. And I was like, like walking around the city and reflecting and getting my groceries and what have you. And you know, uh, I just I wrote the song about like basically, you know, like you know if my life is ever going to get better, God's going to have to be involved. And I know that is weird for a punk to say, but it's true. It is what it is. And I was just like, it's going to take a miracle. My life is ever going to, if I'm ever going to see the sun again, if I'm ever going to feel emotions that aren't bitterness or sadness again, it's going to take a miracle. So it was just really this simultaneous, like, there's a line in there where it says like no human kindness in the streets of gray. And I think I cherish that it worked that way is that I can't believe I ever thought it was good to hang out with assholes all the time on purpose. And I can't believe I ever 
let myself get that put put off to human interaction and i can't believe i ever let myself get that low but also taking my hands off of everything as a person and just being like whatever happens next in my life is whatever happens next and that's that's what the song is about it's basically be like i think it's going to be okay i don't know how but i think it's going to be all right and was it yep <laughs> nice <laughs> and was it <laughs> it was it is i mean it looks looks all right from where i'm sitting it's an it's a looks can be deceiving remember <laughs> no that's yeah, true. but it's a, no it is a, it's a, it's been something of an arduous journey man like uh, but it's, but we're, but we're here. There have been plenty of miracles since. So yeah, taking my hands off turned out to be the best thing I've ever done in those beautiful streets of Westerly gray. <laughs> well, I think that's probably a pretty good place to leave it. Where can, where can folks find y'all? Where, where, uh, if we want to hear, hear your music, find you online, where, where should we go? Our Instagram is at stud count USA. And then we're on every streaming service. Yes. And with this album cycle which started kicking off singles in an official sense uh in may every single is going to be covered if you like google search stud count band we're the only band called that and like you'll you'll find us so yeah all streaming platforms that is about all i know so just keep your eyes peeled i'm sure we'll be on one of the coasts in the fall awesome we'll be sure to post on our blog uh once you have some tour dates announced as well And we'll put a link to where you can order the album from Smart Punk Records. There's some really cool vinyl variants I saw uh, when I was ordering the record earlier today. So I really love what they do with the record. Shout out Smart Punk. They've been cool as hell to work with. Yes, yes. That's that's so good to hear. We we have some other friends that that, uh, are working with them right now as well. And that's kind of the consensus. They've just been really cool to work with. So it's always... I always love hearing that, that like... People are cool to work with, you know? It's it's always a bummer when you hear like, oh yeah, actually they kind of suck. Yeah. I hate I hate I finding out it. about that. Yeah. So sadly, I've also heard that before. So not from Smart Pop, but yeah. in my years. Oh yeah. I'm sure we all have plenty of stories about about various people who suck to work with, but uh glad to hear Smart Punk's not one of them. Uh Stud Count self-titled album out July 22nd, Smart Punk Records. Definitely check it out. Uh Norella Matthew, thank you so much for joining us this week. Uh, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. Hopefully we can get you in the studio uh, at some point this fall for a live session. That'd be okay. an absolute delight. Thanks for being here. This has been Left the Dial. I've been Kitsy. Andrea's been off this week. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back next week. And if I don't see you in a long, long while, I try to find you left of the dial.